Hi, my name is Tom Alston. I'm the founder and CEO of Aeromarine Tax Professionals. Here on the Winning Pitch Broadcast, I'm going to tell you how it is. I'll be sharing the ins and outs of business management, improving your sales skills, building personal and professional wealth, and balancing it all with your personal and family life, excluding the part about balancing it with your personal life. Don't expect a filter because we're about to rustle some feathers. Have fun. Welcome to The Winning Pitch. This is going to be one of my favorite podcasts because I'm with one of my favorite people. This is Richard Dolan, who uh, I have uh, the greatest respect for. He's uh, out of the financial world and the banking business. And although I used to hate bankers, I can't anymore because I know Richie. Richard, what I'd like you to do is introduce yourself, tell a little bit of your story to our listeners. This is going out uh, to the entire planet. So uh, drop into your uh, fake language ability like you do with the people in Mexico or when you do it with General Stepanchenko and then you drop into Russian too. Well, you know, at the end of the day, it's all about getting connected through conversation. But hey, Thomas, good to see you, man. It's good to be here. And it's not every day you get to hang out with a silver-haired guy like this who's really up to no good because he knows that the only thing that's going to keep him living, growing, and striving is helping others. And uh, that's a pretty noble cause to be aligned with and uh, saddle up alongside of. So, uh, Thomas, is always good to see you, buddy. But for me, I mean, look, working with Grant Cardone truly has been an incredible blessing. It's been an uh, incredible moment how the universe got us both aligned and I'm grateful for the moment that we did. But I started off in the financial services business as you started off. I mean, I I started off as a cold call cowboy, 300 cold calls a day, every day until either the dial broke or my finger fell off. I was hustling, you know, stocks, bonds, mutual funds, puts calls and warrants, all the rest of it. That's what, whatever wall street could put out there. I sold it and uh, raised several billion dollars for um, startup companies and private management companies, mutual fund companies, asset gathering, uh, like management companies. I was so good at it, I actually wrote programs on how to sell and market wealth management services at the university level. So I've taught at Schulich School of Business, which is one of the top five business schools in the world. And all because I was just really good at something that I was really passionate about. So I've had the profound honor of writing books, uh, touring alongside of uh, five U.S. presidents, I've won a couple of championship rings working with the Miami Heat for a couple of years in a row during their back-to-back series. So it's kind of cool to be me and and be where I am and be anything I want to be. And I am exactly where I wish to be, which is working with Grant Cardone, probably best known for the author of The 10X Rule, going out there and 10Xing this planet. And uh, so delighted to be in his service and delighted to be, of course, in friendship with you and uh, alongside you and, and equally your 10X mission. Yeah. So what exactly is your role with Grant Cardone. Well, Grant's appointed me as his his head of Grant Cardone licensing. So by definition, licensing as in the licensing of his brand, his likeness, his endorsement, and or his involvement. Some might even say the the vectors, the images, and all the other garnishings that come with an institutional brand like Grant's. I mean, uh, no kidding. Uh, He's got well over 30 million friends, followers, and, and, and faithful around the world. He's across every single major social media platform you can think of and or look up. And as a result, his brand's worth something. In fact, according to all estimates, it's a billion dollar brand in a seven billion person marketplace. So uh, that's pretty King Kong style, King Kong size, if you ask me. So uh, he's an institution and, and it's been a long time in the making. I mean, he, he's no spring chicken, but he's been at it for four decades, building his brand, his impact, his curricula, his content, his IP. 
his legacy. And so as the head of Grant Cardone Global Licensing, my responsibility really is to realize his legacy, making sure that people just like you are out there living and leading. So to leave a legacy that would be a compliment to his. And that's my mandate. That's my mission. That's what I'm up to. So what drew you to Cardone? You know, that's a good question. I don't get asked that too often. But, you know, for me, I didn't exactly, I wasn't a part of the Lucky Sperm Club, if you know what I mean. I, I didn't come from a, I, didn't, I wasn't born with a silver spoon in my mouth and I didn't get all the connections that my pops or mom would have known. I came from the school of hard knocks. And so everything I've got and everything I've earned is really, you know, I'm a self-made guy. By no means am I a trillionaire, but I'm definitely a billionaire in the making. And I arrived in my 40s pretty comfortable. I was quite confident that having worked uh, over two and a half decades uh, at my own pace uh, and in my own place, I was comfortable in my own skin. I had everything I needed. I had uh, all the stuff and all the shiny things that were both significant and insignificant, if you know what I mean. And then I just, I met, I met Grant through his work and I was really mesmerized by his drive and his propensity to really want more. And I thought, gosh, dude, you got everything you need. You got a beautiful wife. You've got kids. You've got a jet. You've got the stuff. Relax. Like, just chill out, man. And I realized that he wasn't going to chill out, that it was really a part of, A, who he was, uh, which I've come to learn is who you are. Thank you. In terms of a drive and always wanting more and to do more. Number two is he he was up to something you know, he was up to something like there was something bigger that was really lighting his own fire in the belly, so to speak. And that, that intrigued me. But third is he's a real stand for other people living and having a 10x life themselves. And I thought that was noble. And it shook me. It shook me, Tom. I mean, I thought to myself, gosh, here I am. I can't wait to get to the couch and lose myself on yet another Netflix program or series that I don't really give a damn about. And my wife can't wait to watch or something along those lines. And I thought, this is it. Like, I'm just going to cruise on in till death comes for me. And this is all I'll be known for. So he woke me up, to be quite frank. He kind of shook me to my core. And I thought, you know what? 10X wasn't a place to arrive to. It was a standard that always eluded you. You got there and then you push the limits. You get there and then you push the limits. It's always transcending a former self. And that's, um, that lit me back up. That, that reignited the flame in my belly and um, something I've been long yearning for, a real authentic leader who says, you know what, you got more, come get it. And I appreciate so, it. I want to go on a deep dive on that journey because what I really want to know at the very first moment, was it a YouTube video? Was it one of his books? Were you reading? Were you listening to something in Audible? What was that moment that you first encountered Grant? Mm, that's a good one. It was a YouTube video, and uh, it was one of those cases where someone saw what I was into, and they sent me the video. They said, "You got to watch this." And you, I'm sure you've had one of those moments where someone sent you something. Here's a link. Click here. Download this, or you know, go go be on your own as you're viewing this video. Don't have anyone around you. Kind of one of those things. But uh, I get this video, and I, I click the link, and, and sure enough, there's Grand. And oh, here we go again. Another one of those speakers, and I've seen many. I've worked with all of them. I mean. There is no legend icon who's now with us or has passed on that I've not worked with in a long time. I've had a real blessed path. But something about Grant really struck me, which was just his raw grit for really giving a damn. And I thought that authentic 
give a damn died a long time ago, but it didn't. I mean, this is a man who really, you know, firmly stands for values, morals. He's got a, a value system that's comprised of just good old fashioned hardship and he's not let it go and he's not long forgotten it. He's not buried it and forgotten where it is. He lives with that always before him. So that video struck me and I went on to, of course, as YouTube does, you click on one and all of a sudden it gives you all the suggestions on, and, and I must've been enraptured by his videos for at least about an hour, which is for me a long time. Wow. I got to really look this guy up. So I don't know if you knew this part, Tom, but I mean, I, I messaged him like a normal schmuck on social media, like a normal schmuck would nothing wrong with doing that. But for a guy as connected as I was, I had no connections to him. So I actually had to go the long way, the regular way, the, the regular schmuck way. And, uh, it took me two years, it took me two years of actually messaging him over time to finally get a contact info for someone that actually worked to then connect with him in some way, shape, or form. Awesome. That's how we got, awesome. started. Yeah, how we got started. I remember the very first time I ever encountered uh, Grant, and it was because we are both connected to a charity called CCHR, which is a Citizens Commission for human rights. It has mostly the, the, their cause is basically stopping drugging people. And right now it's stopping drugging children. And, and I could get up on a high horse, but this is your time. So I won't waste your time. But he sent me a thing and he says, for nine bucks, you can get this book called 10X from Grant. And I downloaded the MP3. And the minute I heard his voice, I said, I trust this guy. He really means what he says. And I've been on this planet enough, and I'm skeptical enough to have my bullshit detector works pretty good. So I was kind of shocked. It was like love at first sight. How, how you know? It's like I, I like this. Now I'm attracted to his rawness, as you say it. I'm attracted to a guy that can't speak English very well because he grew up in Louisiana, which to me that's where my my dad was from, Mississippi, Louisiana area. So my dad didn't talk that way, so I'd never heard that. Like you, I added an instant attraction. So I actually listened to 10X before I ever saw any of his videos. I have a problem with his videos when I start watching them. I don't want to stop because he's so, first of all, he's entertaining, which is important because he keeps people's attention. But it's, uh, you know, I, I, again, this is I'm going off on my own personal rabbit hole here, which I get accused of quite often and I enjoy doing. So you got connected to Grant. It took you two years. Why did you put up with it taking two years? Well, I didn't put up with it. I mean, it was like anything, passively, aggressively pursuing the things you think you want. And that's kind of human nature in a lot of ways, right? I think I want it. I don't need it. I'm not starving for it, but I'm, I'm going to keep chipping away at it. And there's an old uh, Polish proverb that says that you can, you, know, you can chop a tree down with a spoon. Ain't the smartest move, but it'll come down through persistence. And so in a lot of ways, I think I was kind of staying at it because I was very busy already with other things, but I intuitively knew to stay at it with Grant. There was something that kept pulling me forward and it was his gravity. It was his gravitas. It was just his continuance on all my social media feeds to begin really speaking my language, just as he spoke yours. And so there's an allure about that. And I think what a lot of human beings really seek right now more than anything else is is a true, authentic reaction in connecting with people. You know, we live in this world now. We live in this 
this digital, digital, virtual, I see you, but I can't smell you. I got you, but I can't touch you kind of world we live in right now. So we have to really trust our, our two dimensional perception. And it's not as deep as it would be if we were all in person. And so we're skeptical, but we're hungry for that connection. And Grant makes it easy being and remaining connected to him. So I'm going to ask you two questions. And I will warn you that I ask these two questions to 100% of the people that I interview looking for a job. All right. So before I get into that, I want to make a comment. You were telling me that you taught at a college because of your area of expertise. So college graduate? No, I'm actually a high school dropout. I love it. I knew the answer to that. I just wanted you to say it. Yeah, yeah, no. Yeah, because I'm sure you know how I feel about education. Most of it, most of it is a waste of time. Absolutely. Go go out and get a job and learn how to get and keep a job and be the best you can be at that job and, you know, just get better at something every day. Anyway, back to my questions. But you know what, Tom, because and only because of people that watch this, listen to this, and especially if it's just you and I getting this, is that I really get that when Grant does say go to zero. I was. I mean, I was bored with school. I was disinterested for reasons that were likely rooted in a very complicated life I had at the time with with an ailing mother who was bipolar and, and ailing and depressed and couldn't get her out of a bedroom. And I mean, a stepfather that was quite absent and didn't really give a damn where I was, whether I was at school or not. And so caught in between that space, there was no one pushing me to go to school and therefore I didn't really want to be there. And so when I moved out on my own at 16 years of age, the only way to actually survive and being on my own was actually paying for my bills. So out of the act of surviving, you realize that you can succeed in there. So I didn't go from zero to here overnight. Like, I mean, I had to sneak on public transit just to get from one place to another. I mean, I counted change out of jars just to go and buy something to eat. There were times that my my pet cat would go and starve for days because I couldn't afford to buy the little tins of crappy meat that I'm sure um, I would often buy for them. But so for me, you're right. I do agree with you. You know, education in a lot of ways, if it's not watched carefully, I mean, it, it really is a waste of time. You just got to get to work. That's really what it comes down to, right? Well, I remember that there was at one time some studies done and the study proved, and I'm only going to say this because I agree with what it proved, uh, whether it's true or not, doesn't matter. But the longer you stayed in school, your IQ went down. So mm-hmm. I clung to that little piece of data because I naturally didn't like school. And, you know, like I said, it doesn't matter whether it's true or not. It just, I like it because, well, I could go off in hours and talk about the American educational system. It doesn't do anything but produce robots and people who want to die. And that's, that's not the game I play. But it's amazing though. And look at us both. I mean, we're in essence in the education business. Mm-hmm. I mean, I've devoured these books. I've written 14 my own. I've designed and created curricula for some of the world's top ranked universities on the planet. I've been published by a number of great high-end institutional publishing houses around the world. And you think, wow, as a high school dropout. So there's something about life experience and the wisdom that comes with just the act of doing something that actually is far more impressive than just textbook knowledge. It's easier to own. You did it. It's not like it it wasn't a flat two-dimensional words on a page. It's just Mm -hmm. you did it. Yeah. Anyway, back to my question. Please. So going back over your entire, entire work history, Tell me about your single best moment and be very descriptive about it. Tell me when it occurred, who you were working with, 
put the listeners there with you. Describe mm-hmm. it. Well, I have to say that by far, because that's a good just you're catching me in a, in a moment and my memory banks has got to rewind. I can hear the tape reeling through my head already, rattling away where the reel's about to come off the, the mechanic there. I was working with a hedge fund company that I was one of the, I would say, founding principals to. So that just meant that I was one of the first hires. And I got some equity in the whole, in the whole gig. But that all being said, we set a very obscene goal. It was to be achieved in three months. And it was really the company's way of earning the right to a particular country for the right to represent this particular brand that was founded in New York. So it was kind of like, we're here, but we want to stay quiet. We're doing this, but we don't want to tell anybody. And we're going to get there. And when we do, we'll let the main company know. But if we come short, we can't tell anybody that we even were even on this mission because we didn't really operate with the rights to represent that brand quite yet. So I had my part of the goal and other people had their parts of the goal. But this was a really obscene number. I mean, it was something along the lines of $5 million that needed to get raised in three weeks. And it was a very complicated raise. But why I'm telling you that story is because it not only resulted in, if struck, if realized, it would secure my partnership, but it also paid out a large sum of money as a bonus for me. And sure enough, I mean, we, we all struck the number. I achieved my target. And it was amazing because it was an extraordinary feat in such a really short period of time. Hated product, new to the market. No one knew what the heck that was high trust levels, high requirement to learn and be patient with this new innovation. It was kind of like selling an Apple iPod in the 1800s. That's how absurd it would sound like. Yeah. And so that being said, for me, I felt like, wow, we set a goal and we're here. And we got there exactly like we said we would. We did everything we said we would do. And we didn't skip a single step. There were moments where I felt like we'd be defeated. There were definitely moments where I felt like I would fall short. There was even moments of desperation where I've called clients and said, are you sure you're saying that check? Are you sure that's coming in? I even learned of the new BS filter called whatever you got a commitment for, double it up because half of it's BS. So I didn't go and raise 5 million. I actually raised 10 million and the five actually followed through. So I learned a lot about myself. I learned a lot about the business. I learned a lot about truly respecting those numbers. But that was a big breakthrough because I learned that really financial figures, especially when it comes to sales targets, nothing's impossible because we did take on the impossible. So that was probably the, that was the big one. That was called paradigm. It was a cool, it was a cool time. So the exact opposite, I want you to consider your entire work history. Tell me about your single worst moment. And again, Mm -hmm. put the listeners there with you. Oh, that one right there that made you smile. <laughs> that's, a, that's, no, that's a tough one because there's such a large number of them. I mean, you know, I think when you start to look at life through the eyes of an overachiever, unless you hit your goals and crush your aspirations, they all seem like failures. I you agree know? with that part. You know, so there's, there's so many, right? There's so many where we came short and we were shy of that and we didn't quite do it the way we said we would and on and on and on. You know, but but there's so many and you, you can't help but remember the ones that are the most recent. But I'm sure if I sit long enough, I can go back and remember a large number. But probably on a personal basis, I came out of a business where I got bought out and I was given a lot of stock and it wasn't worth a heck of a lot. 
And I didn't believe in the company and what they were about to do, but it later got sold for, I mean, a crazy multiple, but I'd sold that stock before they sold for the greater multiple. So it's kind of like, yeah, it's kind of like, you know, getting some Apple stock when you were a young fella and your granddaddy said, okay, ain't worth much right now. And they just kicked Steve Jobs out to the curb. But I believe one day this might go up in value. And just before Steve Jobs comes back, you got into a little bit of a bind and you sold that stock for, I mean, pennies for what it was worth. And had you held on to it, heck, even if you were blessed to just have forgotten that stock, you would have been okay by accident. That was sort of the same case for me, almost even to the figures that were involved. And so that was probably, you know, not so much about a particular opportunity, but I think just to sound like a little bit of a contrarian, Tom, it was more about my own disposition with money. You know, my relationship with money has evolved and has matured. And until it did, I was chasing the wrong things for the wrong reasons. And and I was probably my own worst enemy when it came to the conversation about money. So that's interesting. That was interesting. But that question will haunt me a little bit because I know I'll definitely come up with more answers. Well, remember that I said worst and you immediately put it with failures and not necessarily is your worst a failure. Well, you're right because I don't know if there's one single, like any miss feels like a failure and every one of them feels like the worst. And I don't know if that's just because that's the way I wear it. That's the way I carry it. That's like to, to constantly remind me of like they're out there. So be mindful. I don't know if I had any particular disaster. And that might be a bit of the way I've been framing all the learning curves. That's possible. If I really think about the the time I invested in a company that competed with Starbucks and I own a big chunk of it and I was doing really well with it and then it turned on me. And But that was just a learning curve. I mean, it, it got me prepared for the next best thing and the next best thing and the next best thing. So I don't really see any particular failure as a failure, like as an outright defeat. I see it as they go, I'm going to keep moving forward. And although this was a failure, it permitted me to pivot. And so all I had was I kept moving forward, but I was pivoting all along the way. Kind of like a plane heading to a destination and it encounters a lot of turbulence. So it just, it changes course. It's always going forward, but it does go up. It does come down. It does go left. It does go right, but it's always going forward. So, I mean, I probably had dozens of failures, but I've never held it that way. I've never you know, hit the eject button or the stop button or the hit turbulence and all of a sudden went for the landing, a crash landing. I've never felt that way. Like these were at all setbacks. And I think that's the thing I need to share. Yeah, I'm fairly certain that we're on the same wavelength when you say that, because I think about, because I'm 72 years old and I've survived everything for the last 72 years. Terrible. I remember one time I was at my girlfriend's house as 16, doing what 16-year-olds do when their parents aren't home. And her dad shows up. Now, this is a guy from Arkansas that's kind of built like a a fullback or a linebacker, and he's drunk all the time, so you had to be a little bit afraid of him. And and we both ran into the bathroom, and this guy's pounding on the door, and I'm going, how am I going to get out of this? How am I going to get out of this? And finally, he's, let me in, let me in, let me in. And then she kind of talked him into going out in the backyard and going to the bathroom. And I ran back into the bedroom and got in the closet. But I was really scared at that point. When I think about it now, it was pretty damn funny. because. But I always found a way, how afraid I was of things, have the bad things happen. So 
I'm not really worried too much about bad things. I don't really have fears because I've been through a lot of them. And when looking back, I know I've survived them all. So I figured out a way how to get through it. And I think we're all really like that natively. We just forget it at times because it's a funny story now. Yeah. It wouldn't have been very funny if he'd have caught me in bed with her. I could tell you that much because he would have hurt me. You know, a great contrast as you wind this thing down is, um, you know, recently, I don't know if you recall, but just about a week or so ago, there was a terrible storm that hit Louisiana. And there's a reporter that was live and on site and reporting a post-storm strike. So he saddles up with this guy who's combing through the wreckage and he's looking for what would have looked like his home and said, sir, how are you today? What's your name? And uh, where are we standing here? He goes, well, my name is Jim and this used to be my home. And gosh, this is, uh, this is going to set me back a good lifetime. And uh, they said, well, well, how are you going to ever bounce back? And he says, and he says, I don't know if I'll ever bounce back. I mean, uh, it's a pretty lonely place. Uh, lost everything that I had. It's all, it's all here. It's all here in the rubble. And, uh, I don't know what tomorrow's going to bring. And uh, so the reporter says, well, thank you very much, Jim. God bless you and your family. You know, good luck. And then off to his immediate right, there's this other guy that was literally right next door. And he's combing through his stuff. And they go, sir, uh, do you live right here? And, and what's your name? And he says, well, my, my name's Jim. And this guy was lit up. And he goes, well, Jim, well, how are you doing? He goes, I'm fantastic. I'm, I mean, I couldn't be better. I, I got my life. I'm alive. My dog's alive. My wife's alive. My three girls are alive. I'm, we're, we're blessed. And they're like, oh, well, that's fantastic. I, I mean, you know, it's uh, so what, what you got here. Is this your home? He goes, oh, absolutely. We're going to start from scratch. And uh, what's amazing is that we as a community have come together. We're coming together. We're, we're helping each other. I, I, there's people I've met that I didn't even know live down the street from me. I, I Gosh, can you believe that? And he's going on. He's all excited about what's going on. And they said, well, well, did you have anything? Have you been able to salvage? He goes, oh, I haven't salvaged a damn thing. But we got each other. You got our community. We got our beliefs. We got a vision for what it's going to look like. We're going to come back better, stronger, better than ever before. I'm going to help my neighbor over here because he's pretty down in himself right now. Have you not been able to tell that? And he's going on and couldn't help but realize that same storm, same street, different view, right? Yep. And I mean, one thing I definitely want to say by saying all that is that you, my friend, have got the view that, you know, dependent upon where you're coming from, all I know is you're going up and forward. And that doesn't come normal. That doesn't come easy. It's self-generated. It comes from a magical place. It comes from a stand, a commitment. And you're unwavering with it, Tom. You're the neighbor saying, hey, we'll get this all done. Don't you worry. We're, we're going to bulldoze this place and build it better and stronger than ever before. And, and the world needs more Tom Alston's. That's, that's what I'm trying to say. So regardless of the storm systems that come through, the, the hail, the, the rain, the sleet, or the category five winds, Guys like you get people back stronger, faster, and better than ever before. So good for you, man. Appreciate the comment. And uh, I see that we're running close to be out of time, but you just reminded me of something. I remember that one of my younger brother's wife had uh, leukemia and she w- we were in the hospital and we were around her bed. And I've seen this before. I know that her time has come. And all these people are kind of standing around and we need to go. You guys, let's go. They got, the people in the hospital have got this and they'll call us and let them know when it happens. And then you'll all want to come back and say, but sometimes in the middle of crises, I innately know what to do because I can rely on my past experiences. And I'm sometimes shocked because I don't know where it comes from. It's just innate. It just 
take charge, exert the control over the situation, realize that people are all suffering. And they it's not a very nice thing to watch someone die. And I've done it several times this lifetime. So, you know, it's just um, something about those kinds of situations draws me right into them and says, take command of the situation, reduce all the, as much of the chaos as you can and move people around and exercise some control on them. So I appreciate you noticing it. And I appreciate the call out. And I appreciate you, young man. I appreciate you. Good, sir. It's good as always to be here with you and to to spend the time that we do. It doesn't come often. So I thank you for it. That's the end of today's podcast called The Winning Pitch. The winning, not the whining pitch, the winning pitch. Even though whining is not a bad idea. My wife, Julie, likes to whine a lot. And I'm talking about drinking wine because we have a nephew that owns a a winery called Christopher Sellers in Elk Grove, California. That's my shameless plug of the day. I'm never going to stop plugging things. So anyway, thank you for joining us. Thank you for your time. Last words, Rich? If you're not growing, you're dying. You got to commit yourself to learning something new every day. And that's why I'm grateful that you've done this podcast. You know, whether you're listening to two old farts like us talk or whether you're picking up a book or, or just expanding your mind and your horizons. If you're not growing, you're dying. And if you're dying, you're shrinking. So don't play small. Think big. And it doesn't have to be uh, making millions or, or closing deals or even writing goals. Just grow a little bit every day. Wouldn't you say, Tom? I agree. And if anybody, the ones that are watching this on video, if you wonder what 10X is and your 10X flags, which you can I always get my hands going backwards. There's a 10X flag there and there's one up there and he's got some of it. Be curious about it. Our lives are better because of the 10X of the guy that wrote 10X and the company behind him and, you know, it's they're a joy to be around and I'm glad to be here. I'm glad to be with my friend Richie and uh, that's all we got for today. Thanks Tom. Appreciate you buddy. Well, that was fun, wasn't it? I'm invested in your business and personal success. And I hope you found this episode of the podcast insightful. If you or your business is ready to grow, check out my website, 10 excellence. This is the way that you do that. Number 10 then xlenz.com. Be sure to follow me and send questions on Facebook at Arrow and Marine Tax Professionals and on Twitter and YouTube at Thomas Alston. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you on our next episode.